All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 6, Episode 3 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, as always, is Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. How's it going, boys? Good. Is it as always, Brock? I, I don't know. I uh, mean, like a couple episodes ago, too, but... Well, like this is like I guess like ninety-nine percent of the time. Yeah, um, it is now as always though. Um, now that the season's officially back, some great news yesterday. Um, happy, happy though. That that's all. That's all I gotta say. Anytime that that there's um, hockey in in the future and it actually looks like it's gonna come, um, I'm happy. And this is the first kind of anything we've gotten this whole time. So this is great news. Um, so yeah, so so I'm a happy Beebs coming into this first podcast back. How about you? I'm happy. I'm. Uh, I've. Uh, I basically removed myself entirely from the fantasy hockey world until I knew for sure there was going to be a hockey season. So, um, looking forward to this recap episode for our listeners, but also for me as well. And we can kind <laughs> of uh, go through and uh, remember together what the the trades and the signings were from this off season and uh, figure out who's worth uh, keeping an eye on. Yeah, there was so, a lot of random movement, and then I felt like there'd be a random stat, or you'd wake up and you're like, "Oh, this dude signed with this team for six million dollars." Okay, just really during the pandemic, so um, it was cool. So it, you're probably not the only one behind on some of these deals, D. Um, I know a lot of people. Are like, that dude's there, and this dude. Okay, cool. Um, so be a good episode for that. 
Yeah. So just a reminder, listeners, the Daily Faceoff podcast is brought to you by oddshark.com. And today's episode, we are going to recap everything that happened during this offseason from trades to signings. Um, obviously, we're not going to go through every single trade and every single signing, but only the players that are fantasy relevant or are kind of on the edge of uh, fantasy relevancy. Uh, normally, as we lead up to the season, we are a little bit more structured. We're a little bit more prepared in terms of um, when each episode's going to come out. We usually give ourselves, you know, a couple month buffer to really get things going. Um, now that the NHL season was kind of uncertain and we found out that basically the season's going to start in one month's time, we're going to have to try to cram all this preseason stuff into the next couple weeks. So uh, we'll start off with this off season recap. And then as we normally do, we will get into um, the previews for each position forwards, defense goalies. Uh, we might have to, cram them all into a shorter period of time, but we will get all that juicy information out to you guys um, in the next couple of weeks. So let's start with the off season trades. Uh, I guess D we'll start with you on this one because your Toronto Maple Leafs traded Kasperi Kapanen to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, as it stands right now, we have Kasperi Kapanen projected to play on the top line with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel and also see some power play two time uh, you've been watching Kapanen closely for a number of years. How do you think he will fit in with somebody like Sidney Crosby? Um, it'll be interesting to, to see. I, I mean, it's not like Kasperi Kapanen um, didn't get his fair share or his fair run with the top six in Toronto. Um, and, you know, obviously at this point, um, it's not like it's uh, it's the huge step up that he's uh, he's going into uh, on Crosby's line. Obviously, he has a cemented spot on that top line. That would be an improvement because he did tend to get juggled up and down um, the Leafs lineup. I think he was almost, um, I, at least his fantasy value was almost a victim of his uh, two-way play, right? Because the Leafs really um, liked his reliability in the defensive end, killing penalties, and it led to him playing a lot more on that third line that they tend to use to match up. Um, so, yeah, I, I, if he can kind of end up and he, and he gets a more cemented spot on the top line with Crosby, then obviously there's probably some room uh, to grow there. But as far as his underlying numbers look, it's always been a shot volume thing with Captain, right? He's never averaged more than two shots a game in his career. Um, and that's, again, with getting some decent ice time in Toronto. He was just under 16 minutes last year. He's 16.37 the year before. Um, so, again, we're maybe looking at an extra minute or two of ice time. And it's not like there's a whole lot less depth in Pittsburgh than there is in Toronto, especially when it comes to power play time that's going to be available for him. Um, so yeah, I, I'm definitely not going to be, um, jumping up the board to, to pick captain, maybe a late round flyer. If that, um, I think he's going to be right on the fringe of fantasy relevance to start the season. And for me, he'll at least have to prove that he can, uh, improve his shot volume in a, in a top six role. Yeah. I think the one thing that's interesting about captain, uh, particularly in Pittsburgh is like in Toronto, he was battling with guys like Mitch Marner, William Nylander, um, and the Pittsburgh Penguins don't really quite have that same kind of depth, especially on the right side. Uh, you're looking at basically Brian Rust and Brandon Tanev. Brian Rust plays almost exclusively with Evgeny Malkin. The only player that would really uh, maybe challenge for a spot on that top line would be Jared McCann, but he got his fair run there last year and didn't do a whole lot with it. So I think this is um, Kapanen's job to lose. I think they picked him up for this reason. Uh, but I agree with you, D. I don't think there's going to be – uh, too crazy of a jump. I think that you're going to see him go um, probably way earlier than he should in a lot of fantasy drafts in the yep. next month or so. Yep. What do you think? Yeah. And I um, I'm basically, I'm on the same page. I mean, you can't really put it much better than he did there. Um, it's, it's really hard to, to 
to any of those points. They're all incredibly true. And uh, I'm with you as well, Brock. I do think this dumb one that people just be reaching incredibly high. The second they, uh, you kind of get out of those for sure top wingers. I think this is when people are going to start grabbing them. And I think that's a mistake. I agree. Um, but granted, he could prove us wrong just being in that position. But again, without that PP one time, I, I don't necessarily love him. Um, you know, he, again, end of the roster guy. I do that. Take a chance. He definitely has a high potential. Um, but but for me, it's not. Uh, I wouldn't be jumping the gun like a lot of people be doing this draft. Yeah, I think he's gonna like. He should be an effective player in that role. I, I think he'll bring, um, uh, like I said, a, a lot, some much or some more two way accountability to the Crosby line. And we've already seen, you know, Crosby establish himself as one of the better uh, two way centers in the NHL, probably over the last five or six years on top of everything else that he he's already accomplished. Right. So um, yeah, that's where kind of, I would expect captain to come in is just further reinforce the defensive solidity of that top line and uh, just allow Crosby and Gensel to spend that extra time in the offensive zone. But as far as fantasy production and fantasy value goes, I, I just don't think the shot volume is going to be there. Yeah, and I think it's entirely possible that Kapanen steps in here and immediately sets a new career high. I mean, at least for points per oh, game, yeah. it's going to be so weird to say, like, always, oh, like, with the amount of games they're going to play this year, it's so hard to even talk about how many points they're going to put up. But um, I think it's entirely possible that he could put up a, you know, 20 goal, 30 assist pace um, on Crosby's wing. But even then, that's still kind of right at the bottom of your roster yeah. and nothing that you need to be going crazy over. Um, I think the one benefit of them getting captain is we probably don't have to worry and talk about first line Patrick Hornquist anymore uh, because the Pittsburgh tra- <laughs> Penguins traded that is Patrick. The main, main I was just, that would frustrate me every year. I think we had a long discussion about it every <laughs> single year when I'd see Hornquist ADP and I would just lose my mind. Um, Hornquist was traded to Florida. Um, he is a candidate to potentially replace Evgeny Dadanoff on their first line, although I don't really foresee that being. Daddy um, for the horn, eh? What a trade. <laughs> I don't foresee that really uh, happening. But right now we have Patrick Hornquist playing on the second line with Alexander Wenberg. Uh, it really remains to be seen how that whole roster shakes out. It's probably one of the more difficult rosters to uh, project coming into this season, but uh, Hornquist will have some value at the bottom of rosters in deep leagues uh, because of he will he will be the net front guy in that power play one, and that's a pretty good power play with Barkoff and Huberdo. But I don't think we need to get uh, too deep on Patrick Hornquist in Florida no, please because no. uh, he is, again, please. bottom of the roster at the very best. Uh, one of the more questionable trades of the offseason was the Buffalo Sabres sending Eric Stahl to the Minnesota Wild. Sorry, the Minnesota Wild sending Eric Stahl to the Buffalo Sabres straight up for Marcus. Johansson um this trade doesn't really make a lot of sense uh Johansson actually makes more money than Stahl um and Stahl <laughs> is seemingly a better player so they added AAV and got worse at the position on a team that is desperate for centers I don't really understand this move uh from Minnesota's perspective but for Eric Stahl he heads into a comfortable situation in Buffalo where he'll probably play behind Jack Eichel as the number two center and be reunited with Jeff Skinner from their days in Carolina so uh Biebs we'll go to you to start here Eric Stahl moving to Buffalo what do you think is going to happen there um yeah so you, you kind of dropped one of my main points right off the bat there that he is reunited with his boy Jeff Skinner um they did have quite a bit of success and uh partially some of the success that you know that he did it with Buffalo but that led to Jeff Skinner that getting that ridiculously large contract that he got uh, a year and a half ago there but um Stahl now loses fantasy value for me unfortunately um just moving out of uh you, you know he's now in a, a second line slot he's now on a second power play 
Um, Clint Eichel's the number one center. He's not taking that spot away from him. Um, he does become a guy that I might want at the end of the roster, but he's not someone that I'm jumping for anymore. If he can find his way on a PP1, some type of role, I don't know what he would be playing on it, but he could be, uh, I don't know, just an on-the-wall guy, anything. Um, he's in front of the net. He's still huge. <laughs> he does gain some value to me, but as for now, uh, not necessarily jumping at Eric Stahl. Uh, but then again, I haven't been for years, and I've been kind of wrong on that. So but maybe I'm wrong here. But but for me, it's just, you know, Buffalo's let us down so much. And this isn't about Buffalo's history, but that top line is so strong with Hall and Eichel that we're looking at right now um, and Olofsson. So don't see the Stahl-Skinner line going too crazy. And if anything, best case, Skinner's the guy who has to pop off for Stahl to have really a fantasy-relevant year, in my opinion. Um, and I'm just not banking on that. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think um, the real thing with Stahl that's really kept him afloat the last couple of years, I, I mean, three years ago, he did have that monster year with the Wild, Huge right, year. where he had 42 goals, 34 assists, um, and kind of that shot volume came out of nowhere, too, or it was a nice renaissance for him anyway, and he was fortunate enough to shoot 17.4%. Um, but the main source of his value, or a big part of it, obviously, comes from being the focal point um, of an offense, right, and, and playing a ton. Um Basically, we've we've never really seen him outside of the top line role. Uh, the one exception would have been for that uh, twenty game rental stint he had with the Rangers a few years ago, um, at the end of his Carolina contract before he signed with the Wild, and that was obviously pretty disappointing. He had just six points uh, in twenty games, and that's the only time since his rookie season that we've seen Stall average less than seventeen minutes a game. Um, so I think the lack of game time is a concern. Hopefully he can still carve it out on the top power play. But even since that uh, random 42 goal season uh, a couple years ago, his shot volume has been on the, the decline. Last year it took a steep turn, right? Just 113 shots in 66 games uh, for mm-hmm. Stahl last season. Um, so that's a big concern for a guy who, like you said, we, was kind of trending towards the end of his Carolina years as someone who could really just kind of be relied on to hit that 20 goal mark um, and then, you know, hope you float you out 30 to 40 assists. So goal heavy leagues, he's never been a guy that's, that's um, is going to be in that upper echelon. Obviously now he's what, 36 years old. Um, yeah. That's my yeah, fear. Dropping so down. Old. Yeah. Dropping down the depth chart. Um, so yeah, it just not a lot Doesn't to get love better. here with Eric Stahl. I think it's a great pickup for Buffalo. The, the depth should be great, but I just really kind of imagine him topping out at around 15 goals, 30 assists this year. Yeah, the one really interesting thing about adding Eric Stahl is Buffalo's been pretty vocal about uh, Dylan Cousins making the team potentially uh, as a winger and having an you know an older center groom him into uh, becoming a future number two center for them. Uh, and Eric Stahl is probably the perfect guy to do that for, perfect, for Cousins. Yes. Um, so right like now we actually eyes. yeah we have Cousins projected <laughs> to play on that second line uh, with Eric Stahl and Jeff Skinner, but. This is a line a nice that could line. also be really effective if it is perhaps Skinner, Stahl, and Reinhardt. That could be a really dangerous uh, second line as well. But I agree with you guys. There's just not going to be enough ice time going around. I don't foresee him being on the top Buffalo's power play nice. unit. <laughs> they're pretty like they're good. Front, they're front they're, nine. Very nice. Yeah, they're, they're looking a lot better than they, they have in years past for sure. But you're right. It's just like what's the best case scenario here in a full season is like, what, mm-hmm. like you know, 30 assists and 15 to 20 goals. I mean, it's as a center that's best case. Yeah. That's what far. I'm saying. Like strictly center. It's just, there's not a lot there. Um, I think it was setting up really nicely for him to be a pretty good sleeper. Uh, if he would have stayed with Minnesota, I mean, you got, uh, Kirill Kaprasov coming up from the KHL. I think he led the KHL in goals each of the last two seasons. Uh, one of the most exciting prospects we've seen in the last couple of years. And, 
Kevin Fiala seems to be getting better and better each year, and that could have been a, a ridiculously good first line if Eric Stahl stayed there. Uh, as it stands now, we have Marcus Johansson basically just plugged into that role. We've seen teams in recent <laughs> years um, try Johansson in, this, in, in the middle. Uh, he was a natural center coming into the NHL, but it just hasn't really worked. Um, Buffalo tried it, didn't work, uh, and it's just it's weird that he's now their number one center, really. like the, I don't know what else Minnesota is going to do. Um, I don't know but, what the plan was there. But, I mean, so for me, I guess when you look at a guy like Marcus Johansson, he he is a pretty good playmaker. Uh, I think he is a guy, especially if he still has um, winger eligibility come draft season. I think he is a guy that could be uh, a half-decent sleeper if he does end up in that role because Kevin Fiala, like I said, better and better every year, shoots the puck a ton. Kaprasov looks like somebody who can step in and do some, some damage right away. He might not be – um, you know, Artemi Panarin uh, and put up, you know, point per game numbers, but he could be somebody similar to like, maybe like an Evgeny Dadanoff who came in and put up uh, 50, 55 points in his first year, something like that. So I think Johansson has a little bit of sneaky value, especially if he has center and wing eligibility after this trade, because there's really nobody else. I don't think uh, Joel Erickson X is going to be the number one center. Uh, I don't no. think Nick Benino is going to be the number one center. So I think by <laughs> default, it, it's going to be Marcus Johansson. As much as Buffalo's looking uh, better, Minnesota's looking just terrible. Um, just thought I'd throw that in there. That's a nice little <laughs> yeah. segue to the trade uh, of their tender that we're about to talk about. Yeah, I, I've, I honestly don't love Johansson at all, at all, to be honest, even in the increased role. He just doesn't shoot the puck enough. Uh, he played 17 minutes a game last year and had just 87 shots in 60 games for the Sabres. Um, so, so that shot volume for me, even if someone who's going to be playing in the middle of the ice just does not get it done. Uh, he's always been a guy who he is a sharp shooter, but he's needed to rely on kind of those balloon shooting percentage seasons to do his most damage. He's only top 20 goals uh, twice and he shot 14 and a half percent and 18.6% when he did do that in his career. Um, so yeah, even with the added ice time and potentially some workhorses around him, I, I think best case we're looking at like a 10, 15 goal, um, 35 assist pace, really similar to what Stahl is going to be looking at in the second line of Buffalo. So I'm not rushing to draft either of these guys. I'm more than happy to let them sit on the, the wire. Um, yeah, maybe toss them on the watch list, you know, Johansson, see if he's yeah. uh, if nice, he's able to start launching start. the puck on net a little bit more. But yeah, this guy's, you know, what, 10 years into his career now. So I, I wouldn't be holding up for him to turn the corner in that in that regard. No, and we have projected for – I mean, right now all my projections are based on an 82-game season still, uh, but just 14 goals, 30 assists, even in that increased role. Um, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Like I was saying, maybe, maybe like you're the last pick of the draft. Uh, you know, a watch list guy is a good point uh, because, you know, you don't want to be drafting Eric Johan- or uh, Marcus Johansson if he's going to be playing – uh, on the second line even so <laughs> on the first yeah, line doesn't have the ceiling for me to even want um for what he gives you at that spot i just believe there's so many people so i think watch list yeah. is very good it's very good this uh, year's gonna be this year's gonna him. be weird right like we saw with the walkout season a few years ago the 48 game season um these hot streaks just end up like really making for really weird years right like <laughs> a, a 10 or 15 game heater ends up being a quarter of the season um so yeah you never know and i'm not going to scoff at anyone who just comes out lighting the the league on fire to start um just always happens yeah even if they're if if they cool down within within a couple of weeks you know like i said that's going to be still a huge 25 30 percent of the fantasy season yeah so i'm probably going to be um a little bit more willing to take flyers on guys than i normally would i think this season 
Um, I won't be as loyal to my drafted team as I normally am in season long leagues. Um, so yeah, if Johansson comes out firing and he's playing, you know, 20 minutes a night, uh, and Kasparkov and, and Fiala looks good and he looks like he can maybe end up somewhere, you know, near maybe an assist a game. That's probably the best case for him, right? I don't think he's going to score a lot of goals either way, but, um, yeah, who knows if he, if he comes out lighting the league on fire, like I said, I keep him on my watch list and just have an eye on him. Cause, uh, yeah, I'm not ready to overlook anyone in such a short season. And we've all been big Kevin Fiala guys over the years. So, uh, anybody yeah, that can attach their ever. horse to, to that wagon, um, gets a little bit of boost. I think obviously, um, what I was trying to get at mostly was, I think Johansson now is in a better situation than stall, especially if he has, uh, wing eligibility, um, Beebs, you alluded to it a little bit uh, a moment ago. Devin Dubnik uh, on his way to San Jose. Uh, we have him projected for a 50-50 split with Martin Jones. Um, could this be the most overpaid, disastrous goaltending duo ever? <laughs> yes. yes. Or was Nico Koskinen a... and Mike Smith worse? I don't know. It's, it's... I forget what the award is for uh, least amount of goals between combined tenders throughout a year. Uh, they might put up the opposite of that between the two of them with the highest payroll. Um, the opposite of the Mon- William Montreal is coming for them <laughs> pretty quick, but yeah, Montreal's the only one who could come at them salary wise as far as tenders go. But uh, wow, is this uh, uh, nothing like having aging high contracts to just fill out a team that is very good all around? Um, yeah, so clearly, love the deal. Yeah, I I used to be a huge Dubnik guy. Like he was so good for a couple of years, but he was so bad last year. Eight ninety save percentage. Uh, go Martin Jones was not good either. That's that's gonna be an ugly situation. I don't think I am going to be buying any stocks in San Jose Sharks goaltending this year. No, San Jose Sharks anything really besides a maybe first line in the D pairing, but. I'm uh, I'm not as down on this as you guys are. I want nothing to do with um, Martin Jones, but I do think that with goaltending just being how fucking weird as it is, um, I think this is a decent reclamation bet, even if he is, uh, what, going into his age 34 season now. Uh, yes, he was absolutely garbage last year, Dubnik, but he went on a five-year stretch before that where he was – a top five fantasy goaltender, right? But like I said, since that 24-15 uh, season where he split between um, the Wilds and the Coyotes. Um, so last year was really his, the only year that he struggled with Minnesota. Yes, he's getting older now. Yes, uh, the Sharks don't look to be that much improved from last year. I do think they kind of had the year from hell last year. Everything that could have went wrong for them did. Um, so I would expect them to be a little bit better of a team this year. Uh, and obviously goaltending would go a long way towards helping improve that. Uh, and I just think his value in the fantasy uh, market right now makes him a plausible option. I'm never someone who likes to kind of reach early, even for the more reliable goaltenders, because you just never know with goaltending. Um, so if I can get someone at the bottom of the draft, like Dubnik, who we say is a 50-50 spit, but really if he gets anywhere close to the form that he put in uh, his, la- his first four seasons with Minnesota, obviously he'll run away with this job from Jones. Um, again, having said that, it's not, nothing close to a slam dunk. He's 34 years old, coming off an 890 save percentage season. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a decent reclamation bet. And I, you know, I, I, ima- I have a hard time imagining finding uh, more upside in a goaltender at that stage of the draft. 
Yeah, I think my main concern is he's going from a team in Minnesota where he had an 890 save percentage and they gave up the fewest scoring chances and higher, <laughs> high dangerous scoring chances against in the entire NHL last year. Um, yeah, while but the it's Sharks save percentage, ranked, right? Like it's, it's not um, – it's just – I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think I it's just – it, Sharks are – He's yeah, going from maybe one of the best defensive teams. No, and I don't disagree with that at all. Like, if I can get him as, like, a number four goalie or, like, yeah. a very end of the draft, I think that there is definitely upside there. I don't disagree with that at yeah. all. I just, I, I just – I don't think the Sharks can be any worse than they were last year. I still think there's enough talent on that I team. I hope not. Um, where they can at least flirt with the bottom of the playoff spot. And obviously, the yes, their defense was terrible last year, but the, the poor goaltending – um, just kind of exasperated those issues. So, so who knows? Like I said, it's not a good bet. It's not a guy I would go and build my fantasy team around. <laughs> no. Um, but Which is crazy because two like years ago draft, he was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As someone who doesn't like the draft goalies early ever, I would uh, definitely be down to pick him up late in the draft as my third goalie uh, and see how he starts out and see if he can get hot. Because, uh, yeah, like I said, terrible last year, but he did have a five-year stretch before that where he was one of the best goaltenders to own in fantasy. So um, I'm just – I'm not ready to to write off any goalie after one bad year. Okay, so let's stick with goalies here for a second because we go from Dubnik, who was on a team that gave up the least scoring chances for, to a team um, that was in the bottom 10 in terms of scoring chances against um, last year, to Matt Murray now, who was on a team who gave up the second least scoring chances against to a team that was in the bottom seven in terms of scoring chances against. So um, Matt Murray goes from Pittsburgh, who was one of the toughest teams to generate offense against at 5v5 last year, to Ottawa, who was one of the easiest teams to generate offense against in 5 on 5 Matt Murray did not have a very good year. Uh, we know, D, especially, you are a huge believer in Tristan Yari, so I'm sure that this move <laughs> makes you very happy. You also like Casey DeSmith, so this move yeah, must make robbed. you... Yeah, you must make this must make you so so happy. Um, but Matt Murray to Ottawa, I think that this is a situation where Murray uh, at least doesn't have to worry about anybody breathing down his neck. Uh, yeah. Anders Nielsen was pretty solid last year, but I think this is probably a, a 60-40 split, 65-35 split in Murray's favor. So he is going to see a lot of starts so long as he can stay healthy. Uh, the team in front of him does look improved. Um, I don't know how much better. It's a good way to put it. Um, I don't know how yeah. much better defensively they're going to be. They don't, you know, they might score more goals, but defensively they don't look, I don't think any better. Um, but if Matt Murray starts 65% of the games on a bad team, do you think he still could flirt with being a number one fantasy goalie this year? Who's that? No. Who's that? Well, I, I, I kind of put him yeah. in a, a really similar category to Dubnik. Um, I, I honestly like the Sharks a little bit more than the Sens this year. Um, and, but I, I think they're kind of in really similar spots from a, from a personal standpoint. I think Murray's obviously a much more solid bet to have a bounce back season. Um, consistency has always kind of been his problem, but we, we've seen in the past that he's proven he's gone through stretches where he looks like one of the best goaltenders in the world. He's still just 26 years old. Um, so obviously, like I said, Murray's the better bet to bounce back. From a, from a personal standpoint, I don't love the team around him. I think that blue line is a big problem. Again, obviously the same can be said uh, for Dubnik in San Jose. Um, so it just depends where you can get Murray. I, I, I'm not, I'd be really worried if I ended up with him as, uh, as anything uh, more than my third goaltender. Yeah, for me, it's, uh, I, I do like him a bit more than, than Dubnik. I say that, um, but just look, I mean, Craig Anderson, the last 
three years. Doesn't say much, but he he he. This is essentially what Matt Murray, the position he's going to be in, and Craig Anderson, who was a very solid goaltender. Obviously, he was thirty six through thirty nine the last three years in age, but he put up a nine hundred save percentage combined. Um, so. Matt Murray coming off a rough year like last year. I do see him having a good bounce back, but I've always been incredibly high on Matt Murray, as we know. Definitely way too high on Matt Murray. So I kind of got to continue my stance, especially with him getting, like Brock said, more non-pressured goaltending time here. He's Since he's been there, there's always been someone in Pittsburgh who's kind of could potentially take that starting role. He can finally take those those nerve gains off. I mean, he's a goalie, probably doesn't feel nerves, but, um, <laughs> but I do like Matt Murray a bit more. I have him as a number two here. Um, I definitely do not see him as a number one, not just strictly, like we said, the team in front of him, but if he has a decent year, I'll take a nine, 10 save percentage with, you know, what do we got? 52 games. Give me, give me 20, 20 wins out of that. If he gets whatever, I don't know. That's super. It's like super winning almost every game. I think. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that's super wishful thinking. Uh, that'll, I mean, I also, I could see him almost going an 80, 20 split. That's a lot, but at the same time, what I, think, is Ottawa I think it's going to be weird. Like 52 games. Yeah. Even with what we're saying right now in terms of split, I, it, it, it could be every single team in the league rolling like close to a 50, 50 split, because I think these games are going to be so condensed. Um, and we've seen and, teams... and every single game means so much, right? So, yeah. I don't even know. It's going to be weird. Yeah. It's gonna, it is going to be very interesting to see how these teams handle, um, the goaltending, yeah. It's the one thing um, I Beams, you kind of alluded to it. I think is very interesting from just kind of like a human being standpoint is the fact that he doesn't have to like worry about anybody else behind him. It's you know, the senators made obviously a big commitment to him. Um, and maybe yep. that just is that, that boat of confidence is, is all he needs to kind of just be like, you know what? I am a good goalie. I am a number one in the NHL and he, he can, bounce back he doesn't have to worry about losing his job but yeah I don't love him I think it's an interesting toss-up to talk about him and Dubnik it's really early right now but they're both going right uh right at the end of the draft in that 17th uh round on average um so I think they're both guys that you could probably look at getting as your third goaltender and uh, and I think that's fine is there's some reasonable upside with either of them but I think just with the teams that they're on even if they do return to form uh that upside is obviously pretty capped yeah for sure all right, let's uh, talk about probably the biggest trade of the offseason, and then we will rifle through the last couple. Um, Max Domi to Columbus for Josh Anderson. Um, I think the Montreal Canadiens are obviously pretty high on Josh Anderson. They gave up a third in that deal as well, and then signed him to a massive extension. Uh, right now we have Max Domi and Columbus uh, uh, expected to center the second line with Nick Felino and Cam Atkinson. Originally, that would have been uh, Gustav Nyquist and Cam Atkinson, but Nyquist is expected to miss almost the entire season uh, after undergoing surgery. Domi on power play two in Columbus. Meanwhile, Anderson uh, also on line two. We have him pegged to play with Nick Suzuki and Tyler Toffoli, uh, another newcomer in Montreal, who we will talk a little bit more about later, and also expected to see power play two time. Um, Beebs, I will ask you, who would you rather have this year? If you had to pick Domi, or Josh Anderson, which would be your preferred option in a non-hits league? <laughs> non-hits league for sure, Max Domi. Um, I just it's it's hard to go against a guy who's had a seventy-point year um, as his career high compared to a guy who's only ever put up forty-seven and put up uh, forty-seven, forty-six, and 
uh, I don't have the numbers up here, but uh, he also only had four points in 26 games. That's Josh Anderson. He's a great, great – he's one of those guys that we talk about where he's a phenomenal on-the-ice player. You want him on your team, but when it turns over to fantasy, it doesn't necessarily translate all the time unless you're in a hits league. But for a non-hits league, give me Max Domi all day. Rocky mentioned it, that Nyquist injury, that's huge for Domi's fantasy um, upside here. It just gives him more more ice time, a couple more mid-game that he wasn't going to get, and definitely um, – more potential on that PP one. I think this uh, bounce back here for Domi. I mean, he had 45 points last year, so that's not a hard call, but um, this is where we kind of get to figure out if Domi's a 50 point guy or a closer to 70 point guy, like he was two years ago. Cause we've seen him flirt around 50 points three times in his career um, where we've seen Josh Anderson struggle to even get to 50 in his career. Um, so for me, Max Domi, I like what's going on in Columbus as much as uh, they don't score as much on a Tortorella team. It, they do have our boy PLD out there. He's only getting better. Um, and they got some nice pieces out there. I do. I do like Max Domi though. Um, just a little bit more than Anderson. And in any draft, I would uh, definitely be looking at Max Domi to my team later round pick, but I would definitely, uh, definitely take a foot on this guy this year. It's interesting because Max Domi seems to be exactly what Columbus needed. Like, Wenberg just mm-hmm. has not worked out as a number two center for them. Um, PLD is great. Uh, he was phenomenal in the playoffs. Uh, and Max Domi should fit well, very well as, as a second line center. Uh, it sucks that Nyquist got hurt. I think that actually probably would have helped Domi because that line would have been that much better. Um, but yeah, Felino, right. is, Felino <laughs> is fine. Um, the one thing that's interesting about Josh Anderson, I said not in, in a non-hits league, but when, if we want to talk about hits leagues for just a moment, la, not last year, two years ago, he was – the only player besides Alexander Ovechkin to score 25 goals and have over 200 hits. So in hits leagues, he's, he's phenomenal. But uh, D, what do you think about this deal? I, I, I do kind of like it for both teams. Um, you know, I think Montreal probably wants to free up a little bit more ice time for Kotkin and Yummy this year and see what they have there yeah. um, and, and really give him that full run. Obviously he had a really disappointing season. Um, after his uh, his promising rookie campaign. And then the, the same goes for Suzuki, right? Uh, and they're pretty comfortable with Deneau, um, Gallagher, Tatar. Maybe not. Maybe eventually, you know, one of the second or third lines overtakes them as the top line, but that's still one of the best checking lines in the NHL. Um, and probably still going to eat up, you know, 17, 18 minutes a game at least this season. So I, I understand why the Habs did it. And I do like Josh Anderson a lot. Um but again, so someone playing in the middle of the ice obviously can just rack up a little bit more points across the full season. Domi showed that a couple of years ago with the 72-point campaign. I do think that's kind of his ceiling, though. Um, I was yeah. surprised. I was, you know, blown away when he was able to kind of maintain that for a full year. Um, but he was a little bit fortunate. Um, and we already saw uh, – we, we saw that 13.8 shooting percentage, 11.5 on-ice shooting percentage that season. Um, so, again, I – and I can't imagine that he's going to be getting more ice time than what he was getting in Montreal. I think if anything, it'll be pretty similar. Tortorella, we know, loves to roll those lines. Um, So I'd be surprised even if he does maintain that 17 minutes a game mark. Um, Points-wise, I don't think there's any question that Domi should be ahead of Anderson this year. It really just comes down to your format. Um, I'm not even talking hits. Uh, I was really excited uh, about Josh Anderson coming into last season because of what he did in 2018-19. 24 years old, his shot volume just exploded through the roof. He had 230 shots on goal, 27 goals, and only 20 assists. So again, it depends what kind of format you're in. If you're in a point scoring league where goals are worth, you know, two and a half or double the amount of assists, um, then you might want to consider Anderson. Obviously hits kind of puts him over the edge. 
there. I, I do think he's kind of worth uh, a late round flyer in standard leagues, or if not, some that you want to keep an eye on uh, and see how they get off to a start. Because obviously he was incredibly unfortunate last year. We saw that shot volume continue. Um, and then he started to lose, obviously, ice time and minutes as that cold streak extended. He had just the one goal in 26 games last year, shot 1.6%. Uh, this guy who averages over 10% for his career. Um, so, yeah, I just think his shot volume has been really consistent the last few seasons. So I'm interested to see what he can do uh, on a puck possession positive team like the Habs uh, and hopefully get some more minutes. I think, like I said, obviously Domi is the safer bet, but I do think that his uh, upside and ceiling is a little bit capped. Um, with the guys ahead of him and just the depth of that Columbus um, team. So I, I would expect the Domi to kind of come in and around a 20 goal, 40 point, uh, 40 assist pace to kind of be his ceiling. Um, whereas Anderson's a guy who could maybe, you know, if, if he's maybe a little bit fortunate with the shooting percentage, but even if he just sees a slight uptake in ice time, maybe some more power play time, uh, he could easily average half a goal a game over a season, right? The shot volume's there. Um, we've seen the we've seen the shot efficiency in the past. Last season, like I said, it was kind of a year from hell to him, and he was obviously battling injuries. Um, so I do think there is obviously a little bit more upside just with the goal scoring with Josh Anderson. Um, but I would agree that uh, Domi looks like a, a much safer bet. Yeah, I think that Anderson was just going through so much with his shoulder last year. He ended up having surgery and just basically ending his year. Uh, yeah. That I think you can just write last year completely off there's you know you can't look at last year as anything more than just an injury um he is a guy that can a hundred percent score 25 goals uh, maybe 30 in a full season he did it already and nick suzuki looked so good in the playoffs last year when they finally returned uh he looked like a completely different player he looked outstanding uh and then you add in a guy like tyler Toffoli too that's a really really good second line um, I think all three of those guys are capable of scoring 25 goals with 50 assists in and around there. Um, and I think Anderson has a massive, massive bounce back potential. Uh, I think that a lot of people are going to see that like the year he just away. had yeah. and be yeah. like, I, whatever. And just, he's going to keep dropping down uh, draft boards, but there was a reason Montreal gave up Domi and a third. Like, I think that would probably yeah. have been a pretty even trade if it was straight up, but Anderson, I think, is a is a legit player, and I think on a line with Nick Suzuki, he could be um, really, really good. But yeah, all right. it, it really just comes down to the format, right? Because either way, the yes. assists aren't going to be there. Um, so if you're relying on assists uh, a little bit more than your average uh, fantasy league, and of course, if you don't take hits, then uh, then Anderson might not be someone that's worth rostering. But yeah, definitely in uh, in leagues that reward goal scoring, he's uh, he's someone you're going to want to keep an eye on. The assist could bounce back a little bit with uh, playing with somebody like Suzuki into Foley versus somebody who like, like Wenberg who averages like 16 yeah. shots a season. They could yeah. bounce back he's a just, little bit, uh, but it's never going to be anything crazy. No, he's, he's never been a guy to, to bring in more assists than he does uh, goals. He kind of is always looking to shoot the puck, which I love. So yeah, yeah no absolutely. All right, let's roll through these last couple of trades and I'll go to just one of you for each guy. D we'll start with you, Paul Stastny to Winnipeg. Right now we have him on the second line with Ehlers and line a and second power play. We've seen him in this spot before. Do you like Stastny um, at all in terms of fantasy, or is this just more of a positive move for somebody like Ehlers and line a? Yeah. I, I like the move for the jets. I, I definitely don't think that he's uh, Stastny's a guy that's going to bring year long value, but definitely someone you're going to want to keep an eye on if you're uh, rolling a, a spot on your roster or you're, you're working in a lot of spot starts. Uh, Cause obviously in the right matchup, 
Uh, even just that second line and the second power play unit with the Jets is going to be pretty attractive. They're still going to score a lot of goals this season. Uh, and I just think it rounds out their top six much better. He's not a guy that's going to light the world on fire, but he's going to do an effective enough job to really uh, free up line A and Ehlers. Um, so no, yeah, I would, I would expect him to kind of maintain this uh, low 40 point pace that we've seen from him the last few seasons, uh, but he should be a big help for the Jets. So with that straight center eligibility, there's no way in hell um, that, that I'm going to be looking at rostering him out of the gate and holding on to him for the full season. Um, but he is a guy in the Jets. I mean, this year will be different, but the Jets normally tend to play on a lot of off nights. Um, so he's a guy I would definitely keep an eye out for streaming purposes, but that's probably about it. Yeah, he is a guy who had 13 points in 19 games in his brief stint the first time around with Winnipeg, played on the exact same line. Uh, his shooting percentage and on-ice shooting percentage were a little bit high, but he is a player that could, you know, post 35, 40 points at, at most uh, over a 56-game season. Um, Beebs, we'll go to you now. Big trade for your Colorado Avalanche. They acquired Brandon Saad. Right now we have him projected to play with Nazem Kadri and Andre Burakovsky on the second line. Brandon Saad is a terrific hockey player. He's always put up really good numbers at even strength, uh, but he's really never done anything on the power play, and that's hurt his fantasy value over the years. How do you see Saad fitting in with the Avalanche? Yeah, for me, um, Saad's always been a guy who's been drafted a little higher than he should be. Um, and I think that that trend's going to only continue as he goes to the Vegas favorites, Colorado Avalanche. Um, I thought I'd mention that just for a second there. But uh, for me, as far as trade goes, it's a great for both teams. Zadorov moves over to Chicago. Um, Chicago, obviously, the help on the back end. Saad's getting, only getting older. Kind of, he's in a win-now mentality. Um, one of the best killers in the league put up, I believe the most, uh, shorthanded goals last season. Cannot confirm that, but I, I do believe that was, was the stat. Um, so for Colorado, they only get a experienced penalty killer, someone they can plug a great role. Um, and someone who can go in the top six, um, as Brock mentioned, he will be playing top six time to start the year. He scored 20 goals in five of his eight seasons. Um, but he's never won the 53 point mark in any of those seasons. So to score 20, uh, we kind of know what you're getting from him. He's, he's never, he's not going to play on Colorado's top line. We've talked about where the value is on that team. If you're not on that line. Um, and as well, he's not, he's not going to play with anyone better than he has in Chicago. So I do not see that value going higher than it's been in Chicago. As you mentioned, he's not a great power play guy. Colorado dominates the power play. Um, and he's not going to jump in on power play one in Colorado. For me, I'm not jumping the gun for Brandon Saad, end of the roster guy, for sure. If you have, pe- if you have shorthanded goals like a league that I play in, <laughs> um, then maybe take a little peek at him because he can be sneaky in that regard, someone you could just fit at the bottom of your earth. But otherwise, um, Brandon Saad for me, not jumping off the books, but a, a nice little deal for both sides uh, as yeah, I far think as he, trades go. I think he's solid um, in terms of – like maybe a deep league winger uh, at the bottom of your yeah. roster for sure. I think the most important part of this trade is the fact that it frees up uh, Landis Cog to play with McKinnon and Randon for maybe the entirety of the season really helps boost his value more than anything. Yeah. Which is going to be, hopefully he'll be in for a, they'll all be in for a huge year. I mean, uh, Landis Cog's the one question mark there, but you know, for sure. All right. I didn't even plan this, but it's working out perfectly. All right. D, back to you. Andreas Janssen from your Toronto Maple Leafs gets traded to New Jersey. Right now, we have him pegged to play on the top line with Nico Heischer and Nikita Gusev. Um, similar to Florida, this is a very difficult team to project their lineup. They have so many mediocre guys that are kind of, you know, could be anywhere from the first to third line. Uh, they have so many guys who are either coming off of big years or coming off of bad years. And it's very difficult to see how this lineup shakes out. 
But let's say Janssen does play on the top line with Heischer. Do you think he's a quality enough player to play in that spot? And do you think that he has a potentially fantasy-relevant season if he's in that spot? You know, I, I think it was a pretty solid pickup for them. He's no Joey Anderson, but he's a, he's a, solid, <laughs> a, he's a solid addition to their top six, right? Um, I, I don't know. Is he, is he good enough to be a first-line winger in the NHL? No. Is he good enough to be a first-line winger on the New Jersey Devils? Probably. Um, I mean, look at the competition there. We're talking about Jesper Bratt on that left side. Who, don't get me wrong. I like Jesper Bratt. Um, but I think Janssen's obviously more than capable of, uh, of offering – uh, maybe a little bit more than a guy like Brat. Um, so, <laughs> did you just break a cup? No, my AirPod drop. We were talking about it earlier. I was talking about how they always stay in. Oh, I thought it was. It sounded like glass What's breaking. That? Well, that's good news. Okay. Yeah, I also thought we lost the glass, and so I was really worried because <laughs> yeah. D has a lot of, of uh, a lot of memorabilia around him right now, and it's just not to lose anything. Okay. All right, we're good. We're good. Uh, yeah. Listen, Janssen's a guy that from watching him, obviously there's some talent there. He's always been a little bit older than people realize because he's a seventh-round pick, so he's coming into his age 26 season. Um, I didn't even know that. I thought he was like yeah. 23. Sorry to cut you exactly. off. Exactly. No, yeah, no. He uh, he was a seventh-round pick, spent a couple of years in Sweden before he came over. So, um, yeah, you really got to earn your earn your keep when you get t- drafted in the seventh round. He certainly has. You know, he's obviously exceeded those expectations. I think he – uh, is more ideal, ideally suited for a role like he was in Toronto, where he's kind of bouncing in and out of your top six, maybe uh, between that second and third line. Uh, he obviously has the skill to play up there in the lineup. The thing with him is I'm, you're always screaming at this guy to shoot more. Um, and I just, again, I don't think the shot volume's there. He should play a lot more than he ever has. Um, he averages 14 minutes, 15 seconds for his career. Last season, we saw him at 15.45, which was the most he'd ever um, played and still managed only about a half a point per game. Um, so yes, he should be playing more with New Jersey, but obviously there's a huge drop off in the talent, uh, and the production of those around him. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I don't know if there's a ton of upside here. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think there's some talent there that he, it's uh, up for the devils was definitely worth uh, taking a fly on and seeing what this guy can offer. Uh, and maybe a first line role where you, where you kind of put the, the scoring on him and he's not so much just a complimentary force. Um, we'll see how he fares with more asked of him. Maybe that shot volume will improve. Um, but for me, I, I still think he's a guy that probably caps out around a 50 point base this season. Um, but an interesting one and maybe one to keep a watch on because yeah, we've just never seen him kind of get this run in an extended role before. Yeah, and when you look back at his numbers, I mean, in the SHL, he had uh, a 20-goal year and a 44-point season. They only play like 50 games. He had really good numbers Mm -hmm. in the AHL. He's kind of been a guy who's put up solid numbers at every single stop uh, when he's kind of been asked to be – maybe not the focal point of the entire offense, but a top six forward where he just never really had that role in Toronto uh, for an extended period of time. So I I think he's somebody that uh, could definitely – I think you're right on, you hit it right on the head. He's probably somewhere around a 45 point pace over a full season um, with some upside Uh, back to you. Beebs, the avalanche made another trade. Uh, Devin Taves goes from the Islanders to Colorado. Not even a trade. It was a sign or wasn't it? No, they they gave up two seconds. uh, That's right. It was a trade. Yeah. And then Um, um, we have him expected to play on the third pairing with Ian Cole, uh, but a lot of his value comes on the power play. Now, the issue for him, obviously, is that he's going to be uh, on the second power play behind somebody like Kale McCarr, but that's the same role that he filled uh, for the most part for the Islanders playing behind uh, Ryan Pollock uh, and the Islanders' top unit. Do you think 
Devin Taves has any chance of increasing his value following this trade? I do not. Um, he's jumping into a loaded blue line, not, not to Colorado's uh, back end's blue line, but it is absolutely loaded. Um, there's Bowen Byram's essentially supposed to come in. That's a guy who they looked at to be almost a first power play, maybe second power play guy. But obviously, McCarr's there in that first slot. You got Eric Johnson around still. The pieces are just there. I see him as being more, you know, that fourth through six D man. He's going to be an absolute stud, um, but he's going to be extremely quiet. I don't think he's he's going to need to take any sort of offensive role like he did for the Islanders. Um, I just see him kind of playing the exact depth role that he's supposed to play. Um, I love I loved the move when it happened. Obviously, if you couldn't tell, but I also love every move that the Az makes. So I'm just super biased. But um, yeah, for me. Uh, He's not uh, jumping off any fantasy radars, and um, I'm not getting too excited for him. As we mentioned, that PP1, D mentions it most times when we talk about it. They spend about a minute 56 on the ice. So if Taze is getting any of the PP, he's getting about four seconds there. So so for me, I I don't see it getting that much better. If anything, you might get a couple more secondary assists just strictly off the fact that Colorado is going to score about twice as many goals as the Islanders scored. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, um, I, I don't, I don't see him being anything more than depth really, but good yeah, depth. He, he played 20 and a half minutes per game last season. I don't really see him playing more than that for sure. Not happening. No. Uh, if anything, he's going to probably be closer to like 17, 18 minutes a night. Uh, you've got Ryan Graves and Sam Gerrard on the left side. They've both been stout the last couple of seasons. I think it's a nice pickup for them as a, you know, a team that wants to win a Stanley cup, uh, and kind of just maybe, it's like sod. Kick it's like can. a win now guy. Yeah. yeah. Kick the can down the road a little bit uh, with, with Byram. So um, I think it's a good pickup, but yeah, I, I agree. I don't think there's going to be too much uh, in terms of fantasy value there unless uh, you know, God forbid Kale McCarr goes down or something like that. I think where Taves like is going to be uh, interesting is I think Taves is going to end up being like one of those daily fantasy uh, studs. Just like, king, just the punt king, like Bogosian, like blocks like eighty shots, but like just like or just like yeah, thirty five hundred dollars and picks up an assist every time McKinnon's on the ice or something like that. It's gonna be perfect. Uh, but all right, and let's all just really quickly discuss the Nate Schmidt deal to Vancouver. Uh, obviously, I'll let you guys he has go been crazy. he's been solid in Vegas the last couple of years. We have him as um, yeah, he's really enhanced his performance the last couple of seasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure has. He's gonna he's play really with, juiced up his game. He's gonna play with Alex. <laughs> Edler most likely on the second pairing and see no no power play time on the top unit could see some pp2 time obviously quinn hughes is locked down in that role on the top unit uh do you guys have anything to really add about nate schmidt i mean he had 36 points in his first year with vegas 30 years and just or 30 points in just 61 games in the second year spreads are wearing off and 31 I- points in 59 <laughs> games in uh the most recent season uh, looks like a guy who's got 30 point upside, hasn't played a full season, um, ever. And I guess he's one of those guys. You can just look at his stats and be like, boy, he plays 56 games every year. So we know exactly what to expect from him in a 56 game season. Yeah. I, I love the move for the Canucks, to be honest. I, I think it really solidifies their top four. Um, honestly love the top four you got Hughes Myers Edler Schmidt any any combination of those four guys I think is fantastic so the gross. bottom pairing could be a bit of an issue um, but if those top two pairs are playing somewhere around you know 45 50 minutes of games they should be able to get away with it um, so yeah as long as they stay healthy with as a big if for a guy like Edler Schmidt even Myers um, then then uh, I, I really love what the what that did for this team um, I, I kind of still expect him to eat minutes I 
you know, maybe he doesn't creep, creep up on 22, but I, I still expect him to be over 20 minutes a game, um, even on a, a slightly – I guess, you know, you can't say it's a more crowded blue line. So, um, I think this but, is going to be a, similar to a, to a Nashville situation for them. You see even more teams kind of going towards this model where you just stack the top four and the bottom and the yeah. third pair is just whatever, the third pair plays. Well, you, you can know. really pick and choose those minutes when they yeah. only need to play 12 or 13 a game, right? And maybe it's a guy who's a bit of a PK specialist, that sort of thing, or a power play specialist on that's that basically, bottom That's basically what – um nashville's been doing for years you got like uh matt Irwin and yannick weber playing 13 minutes a game yeah. and and then yeah. you just kind of roll those top four hard yeah i would have i i really would have liked to see the canucks make some additions to their bottom six um i just think there's just too much pressure on their top six to carry the load um so yeah i don't know how that's gonna work out over the top season i love their top six love their top four defense um depth is a serious issue here that i think could really hold them back and it's a shame because it's a really actually really good foundation here that's starting to shape up in Vancouver. Um, and I don't think they would have needed too much more roster tinkering to kind of uh, put themselves in the upper echelon of teams in the Western conference. And uh, we'll see how the goaltending holds up. Braden Holt is there apparently, which is cool. Um, <laughs> apparently. I couldn't believe that, but uh, yeah, making less money than uh, Jakob Markstrom. So, you know, what have you done for me lately again in the NHL? You get um, I, I, I like that pickup though. I think, you know, that's a really solid, Obviously, uh, 1A, 1B to have there with Demko. If Holpe doesn't bounce back, then you still hope that Demko continues to make those strides in his game. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really solid pickup as well. Um, and then the one thing, yes, uh, like I said, I, I really think they needed to strengthen that bottom six. But from Schmidt's perspective, it might open up a spot for him on that second power play unit if they do mm-hmm. go 2D on there. Because, yeah, there's just not a lot of forward options that you'd want to pencil in there. Um, so, yeah. I, it's surprising I they really didn't buy. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't buy out like Louis Erickson or something like that to try to create some room and, and improve that bottom six. Like you said, it's yeah, even uh, just a third line contract. center, right? Like I, I like, uh, I like Bertanen a lot. Um, I think Roussel is still a decent checking line piece. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sold as Adam Gaudet as the third line center right now. So uh, I think that could prove to be an issue for them. It's a lot harder to shelter your bottom six forwards as it is your bottom two defensemen. Um, but from a fantasy perspective, because that's what this is all about. Uh, still don't love Schmidt. I just don't think he scores enough goals. He's needed those pa- that power play time to kind of pad his stats. And like we said, I think absolute best case scenario is he's getting maybe 30 seconds of every power play with Alex Edler, you know, Adam Gaudet manning the manning the uh, the point. So Woo-hoo. it's uh, it's not a great it's not a great look for him. Um, he's always had solid production at five v five, but I don't think that's going to be enough to carry him onto rosters in standard leagues this year. No, I, I agree. I think it's going to be kind of yeah. the bottom of the roster at the best. All right, uh, let's fire it over to the Blue Stones for the first time in forever. Uh, but before we do that, just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by our friends at oddshark.com. Uh, Odd Shark is great if you're uh, a degenerate gambler like myself. Uh, <laughs> you can kind of look at basically any any game, any future that you want and find uh, any of the online sports book, which – book is offering the best line on each game uh, and so much more from game breakdowns and everything uh, but if say you're Biebs and you wanted to put money down on the Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup this year right now if you go to oddshark.com you'll find out that betonline.ag offers the best odds uh, on them winning the Stanley Cup at plus 700 very very impressive for the avalanche that must be exciting for you Beebs. or if you're d and want to put money down on the maple Leafs right now uh hey betonline.ag as well at plus 1600 offering the best odds 
And if you're me and you want to put money down on the Detroit Red Wings uh, winning this, 1600, yeah. Um, and if you want to put money down on the Red Wings winning the Stanley Cup, it's actually it's actually Bodog at plus fifteen thousand. So um, <laughs> I'm probably not going to do that. I actually did put money on the Damn. Wings winning the Cup last year, five bucks. It was uh, I, it is what it is. It, they just don't give out those Leicester City anymore. Eh? Those five thousand to one. Because if no. there was a time, it would be right now. But they don't want to get burned on that again. No, I think like I, I read an article fifteen hundred ones is ago. crazy as they're going to go. <laughs> I read it. No, fifteen thousand. Well, plus fifteen thousand, yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, fifteen hundred one, yeah, yeah, not not five, not five thousand. When Leicester City won the Premier League, yeah, it was I read an article that was like, I don't think anyone gives that out anymore. No matter. No, I read an article that 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 championship literally like changed betting. Yeah, sports it's, books forever the, because they're yeah, just like it's the highest odds that ever been paid out in a single bet. Oh my so. god, somebody must have made so much money. <laughs> but anyways, uh, some so, tryhards that had so, no business making that bet <laughs> for sure. <laughs> all right, let's fire it over to the Blue Stones. When we get back, we're going to talk about all the free agent signings from this off season. Uh, not all of them actually, just the fantasy relevant ones. We're going to rip through the forwards, the defense, and the goalies to get you up to date and let give our thoughts on how they will perform in the upcoming season. So stay tuned, and we'll see you back here in six seconds. podcast brought to you by odd shark we hope you enjoyed those sweet tunes from the blue stones i'm sure it's been a long time since some of you have heard them so hope you enjoyed that um unfortunately zoom did us real dirty yesterday and deleted the entire second half of our show Uh, we recorded on thursday today is now friday morning um and it's just brock now uh we lost the entire second half of our show zoom um forgot to convert it for us uh so i'm just gonna quickly recap kind of what we had talked about on the show yesterday go through the free agent signings that we talked about and kind of give you a quick uh update on what we talked about in terms of uh, how much we like this player in this new situation um and all that so the second half is going to be much shorter than it would have been um maybe that's a good thing so let's start with Jesse Puglia-Yarvi signing a two-year 1.175 AAV deal to go back to Edmonton. Uh, Puglia-Yarvi went to Finland um, after struggling in the NHL for uh, a season and absolutely lit Finland up. Uh, He had 24 goals, 29 assists for 53 points in 56 games. Uh, He remained in Finland to start this season where he had 12 points, 7 goals, 5 assists in 16 games. Uh, he's 
on his way back to Edmonton as far as I know. Um, so anyways, Puljujarvi obviously, I think, found some renewed confidence in Finland. Uh, I tweeted out a couple weeks ago that he led the league with like 395 shots. Uh, that's an average of 7.05 shots per game. Uh, I found out later that that includes literally every shot taken, whether it misses the net or not. So it's a little bit of a noisy stat, but it still shows that Pugliarvi has a ton of confidence. He had more than 70 shots, more than the second-ranked second, uh, guy in the league. So plenty of confidence right now as he returns to Edmonton. Uh, right now we have him projected to play on the top line with Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, as well as seeing power play two-time. Um, the Oilers is a difficult team to project, but Pugliarvi is clearly the most offensive winger, or right winger, I should say, not named Kyler Yamamoto, who seems to be tied at the hip with Leon Draisaitl. So uh, unless Dave Tippett wants to play Zach Cassian with Connor McDavid, uh, I would imagine that this could be a spot where Pugliarvi lands in the lineup. And if he does, um, I don't think I need to talk too much about the potential upside of playing with players like Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So Pugliarvi obviously has some sleeper value this season, especially if he comes back uh, with some renewed confidence. He had terrific numbers in the AHL uh, as well as in Finland. So um, I think that he is a guy that, that could be, you know, 20 to 25 goal pace this year, potentially creep up around uh, 50 points, especially if he plays almost full time uh, with Connor McDavid and and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Um, sticking with the Edmonton Oilers, they also signed Dominic Cahoon to a one year deal worth $975,000. Uh, Cahoon was surprisingly bought out by the Buffalo Sabres, lands in Edmonton, where he will most likely play with fellow countrymen. Um, Leon Dreisaitl. So what's interesting about this deal is that this is the deal that really opened up the avenue for Ryan Nugent Hopkins to play full-time with Connor McDavid. Um, and I think that Cahoon is a nice fit with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto. It gives them two really good lines. Um, both McDavid and Dreisaitl now have wingers that are capable of scoring uh, rather than just Dreisaitl and McDavid kind of just dragging um, two bottom six wingers into some, you know, relevancy. So I think it's a really big signing for them. I think Cahoon's a pretty solid player. Uh, I'm not jumping over the moon to grab Cahoon in drafts. Uh, none of us were really big fans. Um, but he definitely has end of the draft appeal. I think he's a dark horse guy that you could take in the draft and just kind of hope. And if it doesn't work out early in the season, then you just drop him. But, um, I think he's a player that will be drafted in almost every league. Uh, I know a lot of leagues are going to be looking at daily faceoff and seeing, hey, this guy's playing with Dominic or with Leon Draisaitl, and uh, they're going to scoop him up. I mean, Ty Ratty was drafted super high a couple years ago uh, after just a ridiculous preseason with Connor McDavid. So Pugliarvi and Cahoon, both guys that I think should be drafted at the tail end of drafts, and you know, you never know how good of a start they can get on off to, and uh, in a shortened season, that is very important. We saw. Nail Yakupov turned in a point per game uh, campaign in his rookie season in the lockout shortened season. So a lot of things can happen in a shortened season. And if you're playing with McDavid or Drysaddle, it's obviously a good place to start the year. Uh, former Edmonton Oiler Taylor Hall signed a one-year $8 million deal to go to Buffalo. Right now we have um, Taylor Hall projected to play with Eichel and Olofsson as well as on power play one. Uh, during our original recording, uh, we all love 
this potential here with Hall and Eichel. We're all extremely high on Eichel coming into this season. Uh, we believe that Eichel has uh, top five fantasy upside playing with Taylor Hall. He's just been outstanding uh, year in and year out, the last two years especially. Uh, his shot volume is elite, just keeps getting stronger, which is great. And I posed the question, would you draft uh, Jack Eichel or Sidney Crosby first? Um, and Biebs actually picked Eichel, uh, but was a little hesitant on it, where Dylan and I were still a little bit more on Sidney Crosby's side. We just think the production is a little bit more consistent, and I had pointed to the fact that we're hoping that Eichel and Taylor Hall works uh, versus Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. We know that that works. They've been doing it for a couple of years now and have had terrific results. Um, and, you know, Sidney Crosby's had some injury concerns over the years, but he's been relatively healthy uh, in most recent seasons. So I think that uh, one more year of Sidney Crosby uh, over Jack Eichel, and Dylan said that as well. So either way, Jack Eichel's in a really good spot here getting Taylor Hall. He's never played with elite talent like this before. And um, it's going to be great. We have Victor Olsen on the other side, who I am personally a massive fan of. I was a huge fan of him last year as a sleeper, and he, he came through for me. Uh, this year, obviously, I'm even higher on him playing with Eichel and uh, Taylor Hall. However, that could be a spot where um, Sam Reinhart plays. Dylan had pointed out that Sam Reinhart is a little bit more defensively responsible um, and could take some of that burden off of Eichel um, and Hall if he ends up playing in that role. Uh, but to me, Olsen is the guy that has just an outstanding shot and would just complement that line so well. Um, mostly everything that I've read so far is pointing to the fact that it will be Olsen starting on that line and then uh, potentially Dylan Cousins, as I mentioned earlier, with Eric Stahl on the second line to kind of groom him. And then the third line would feature Sam Reinhart in a, in a spot where he can drive his own line. And that could give the Buffalo Sabres uh, three really, really good lines and um, make them a lot deeper as opposed to maybe um, putting Reinhart and Olsen both in the top six, dropping Cousins, and then kind of um, their third line would be tread, treading water most of the time. So, uh to recap, obviously, big fan of Hall. We think he's a top five fantasy left winger. Uh, Eichel has top five overall upside, and Olsen has 30 goal pace potential if he stays on that line for the full season. Uh, we talked briefly about Tyler Toffoli earlier, four years times 4.25 million AAV in Montreal. He's going to, he's expected, I should say, projected to play with Nick Suzuki and Josh Anderson, as well as seeing power play two time. I mentioned earlier in the show that uh, all three of these guys really have 25 goal, 50 assists, or 50 point um, upside this season. Obviously, in a short season, that won't really come to fruition, but that kind of pace, I think that um, it's a really nice signing. Toffoli's a nice a nice player, a nice, nice fit for this team. Uh, he's also the type of player that um, could move up and replace Thomas Tatar on the top line if that's not really working out. They play kind of similar style games. So, Toffoli's a nice fit. I don't think, um, you know, this really hurts or boosts his value too much. We saw what he could do in Vancouver playing with an elite top six. Um, and he's, you know, he's landed in a nice spot. I mentioned earlier that I'm a huge fan of Nick Suzuki. We all uh, really like Josh Anderson as well. So, this has a look of a really nice second line in Montreal. But I don't think it does too, too much to his value. If anything, it comes down a little bit from playing in Vancouver. Uh, but that was only a brief stint anyway. I still think that this guy's got 25 goal pace upside uh, this season. 
Um, talk about Evgeny Dadunov for a minute here. He signed a three-year deal worth $5 million per year to go to Ottawa. Right now, we have him projected to play with Colin White and Brady Kachuk on the top line and also see power play one time. Obviously, going from Florida to Ottawa doesn't seem great on the surface. Um, he played almost exclusively with Alexander Barkov and Jonathan Huberto last season. That's a terrific spot. Uh, Huberto, one of the best playmakers in the NHL. Um, Barkov, literally just one of the best centers in the NHL. Uh, so going from Barkov to Colin White might be uh, a pretty significant downgrade. Uh, but the, as I mentioned before, some of these teams' lineups are so difficult to project, and Ottawa might be the most difficult in the entire NHL. Colin White did a pretty good job in uh, a first-line role all season ago, but Josh Norris really um, put his stamp on the AHL last year, had a nice stint with the Senators for a while. Uh, they also have Logan Brown. So they have three centers that are all capable of taking a step forward and, and centering that top line. So I think the one certainty is that the two pillars on the top line are going to be Brady Kachuk on the left side and Evgeny Dadunov on the right side. Dadunov had two or three, sorry, uh, really strong years in Florida. Um, I think that obviously it's going to be difficult for him to reach that 70 point pace that he had in 2019. But I think Dadunov is more of a contributor to Florida's top line success than people might realize. I think a lot of people view Dadunov as simply a passenger on that line, uh, and I don't think that's the case at all. I still think that he's a player that has um, 25 goal, 30 assist pace upside this season in Ottawa. Um, we are all fans of Brady Kachuk, no, no one more so than Dylan, um, and he, he thinks that Kachuk's going to take another step forward this year, as do I. And I think that puts Dadunov in a nice spot. I think that's going to be a, a pretty good line when you put those two together. So um, I don't think Dadunov's value gets hurt um, too, too bad. I think, if anything, that this is going to make him a pretty solid mid-round sleeper option. I think a lot of people are going to shy away from him because he's not playing with Barkov and Huberto. And he's going to Ottawa, obviously, in leagues with plus-minus. Um, it hurts him a little bit more than in other leagues. But still, I, I don't expect Ottawa to be... Um, as bad as they were a season ago. I think they're going to be exciting. I think they're going to score a lot of goals. So I think Dadunov has some nice mid-round um, sleeper potential here, uh, given given his new status. And uh, let's move to the defenseman now. Uh, we're going to start with, obviously, Alex Petrangelo going from St. Louis to Vegas. Uh, he signed a massive seven-year, $8.8 million AAV Vegas uh, deal to sign with Vegas. Uh, we have him right now projected to play on the top pairing with Braden McNabb and as well as seeing power play one time. Um, it's really unfortunate we lost the recording because we had a really great discussion about Alex Petrangelo because it's hard to envision his stock rising going to Vegas. It's not like he was going from a bad team to now a good team. He played on a very good St. Louis team a season ago. Uh, his shot volume reached new heights last year. And it's hard to imagine him replicating that. The biggest issue for me is that we saw the emergence of Shea Theodore a season ago. He was absolutely electric in the playoffs after the season resumed. And 
I just don't see how Petrangelo is going to carve out 24 minutes a night on this blue line like he did in St. Louis. I think he's going to be hovering closer to 22 minutes a night. I think him and Shea Theodore will play pretty evenly. Um, Does that two minutes a night matter too much? It remains to be seen, but I think over the course of a full season, it will. And Shea Theodore is perfectly capable of running the top power play by himself. And um, if Petrangelo doesn't get off to a good start, he could be in a in a second power play type role. Uh, but as as I talked to Jesse Granger a couple weeks ago on this podcast, he was pointing out that it's highly likely that Theodore and Petrangelo are both on the top power play unit, which I would expect. And I think that is probably best case scenario for both of those guys. Um, but I just don't think that this rises, uh, sorry, raises his stock at all. But I don't think it drops too considerably either. I think that Shea Theodore and Petrangelo will probably be both uh, around similar production to what they had um, last year, especially if they're on that top power play together and that top power play gets clicking early. Um, That could be one of the best power plays in the NHL uh, with those two at the helm. Uh, replacing Alex Petrangelo in St. Louis is Tori Krug, who signed a seven-year, $6.5 million AAV, AAV deal to go to the Blues. He's going to be uh, on the top pairing, most likely, with Colton Pareko, as well as now becoming the quarterback of their top power play, which is where most of his success comes from. Uh, Krug is one of the best power play quarterbacks in the NHL. Um but a lot of questions out there are whether or not Krug is that elite or if he was more of a byproduct of playing on the top power play unit with David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron. Uh, I I think that he still is obviously um, fully capable of putting up massive points on St. Louis's power play. Uh, it's not like that, 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 that unit isn't uh, full of talent either. So it may not be, quite be the quality that he was uh, with in Boston, but it's still pretty good. Krug has been doing it for years. He's put up just such consistent offensive numbers. Uh, The one thing that's going to be interesting from kind of just a real hockey perspective is he's never really been a guy who has played top pairing minutes. He's kind of played sheltered uh, D2 minutes his entire career behind Zidane Chara. So it's going to be interesting to see how he uh, acclimates himself to these tougher minutes in St. Louis, but uh, he's got a great partner in Colton Pareko. I think that they'll have a lot of success at 5v5 as well uh, as on the power play. So I like this move for Crew. I don't think it hurts, kind of similar to Petrangelo. I don't think it boosts his value, but I don't think it hurts it too much either. Um, so Tory Crew should be right around a fantasy D1 again in 2021. Uh, one of my favorite moves of the offseason was Tyson Berry signing a one-year $3.75 million deal to go to Edmonton. Right now, we have him playing somewhere between D2 and D3, most likely D2 with Caleb Jones. And where he's going to get all of his value is by being the quarterback on the top power play. Again, I wish Zoom had not screwed over our recording because this was a perfect uh, player to talk about because Dylan was a was a Maple Leafs fan who saw him front and center last year, and uh, Beebs is an Avalanche fan who has literally watched him his entire career coming up. So uh, unfortunately, we lost that. But this is obviously a terrific spot. Uh, we think that um, if anything, he might be you know the guy where the puck goes from Drysaddle back to Barry, who fires it over to McDavid, and then McDavid fires it you know back cross ice for. Um, the patented Leon Draisaitl uh, one T, which we've seen time and time again, and uh, a secondary for assist for for Barry. Um, 
that could happen all season. And I think this is a great one-year deal for him to bet on himself to try to you know recover some of that value uh, that he lost in a bit of a down season in Toronto, uh, playing on the best power play in hockey is obviously going to help his point totals. So really like Tyson Berry this season. Um, his numbers in, in Colorado were outstanding. So I don't think he's going to you know find new heights this year, but I think he'll get back closer to that... Uh, I think he'll get back closer to the production that we saw um, when he was with Colorado in 2018-2019, uh, where he was just electric. So, really like Tyson Berry this season. And uh, the last defenseman that we're going to talk about is Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, talk about him really quickly here. He signed a three-year deal, $3.9 million per season to go to Anaheim. Um, he's expected to play on the second pair with Cam Fowler and power play two time as well. Um, so, he was kind of buried on the dump chart in... Tampa Bay and it limited his upside uh, he was able to kind of similar to what Tyson Berry's expecting to do kind of rebuild his value and earn a big contract again um, Shattenkirk played for very little money in Tampa Bay did a great job won a Stanley Cup uh, basically accomplished everything he wanted to do and then gets a three-year 3.9 million dollar deal to go to Anaheim uh, so obviously a, a nice payday for him uh, so playing Third pairing minutes in Tampa Bay obviously wasn't ideal for fantasy purposes, but now going to Anaheim where he's probably going to be playing upwards of 20 minutes a night next to Cam Fowler as well as seeing some power play time. Uh, obviously going from Tampa Bay's offense to Anaheim offense is going to hurt a little bit, uh, but I still think that he's got 35 point pace upside this season. He is going to be playing more. He's still going to be a fixture on their power play. Uh, it could be power play one um by you know mid-season uh could be a 2d power play with him and cam fowler so it, 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 there's a lot up in the air here i don't think that shattenkirk is somebody that need, you need to uh, be going after hard um i know beebs and dylan were huge fans of him but i think that he's a guy that can kind of round out your decor and uh, be a very serviceable piece in that in that position so uh you know he's no Alex Petrangelo, Tyson Barrier, Tori Krug, but I think Shattenkirk's move this season um, helps his fantasy value a little bit just in terms of uh, the amount of minutes that he's going to play. Where the big loss for Zoom, <laughs> the Zoom call was, was the goaltending. We always seem to have pretty good discussions about goalies uh, because, as you know, we've, we've said it on the show before, they're voodoo. Uh, <laughs> and we do our best to kind of sift through all the bullshit that, you know, all the noisy stats of goaltenders to try to figure out uh, who's in the best spot? We talked a lot about Jacob Markstrom, who signed a six-year, six million dollar per year deal to go to Calgary. None of us are fans of that deal. I think it's going to be a pretty decent deal for a couple of seasons, but it's going to just uh, get so much worse from there. And he's really been pretty average uh, throughout his career. But Calgary's looking desperately for a goaltender. They haven't had a goalie post a save percentage over 920 I think since Mika Kippersoft's second last season so they've been looking desperately they think they found their guy Markstrom is just a huge uh overpay in in my opinion and the opinion of Biebs and Dylan as well uh Braden Holtby same age as Markstrom got a two-year 4.3 million dollar deal uh AAV 3 4.3 AAV uh, in Vancouver to replace Markstrom. I think that's a little bit better of a deal. Holpe's been uh, better, a little bit more consistent, 
over his career than Markstrom. Hasn't played quite as well last, like in recent years. Last year was probably his worst. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they shake out. I think Markstrom's obviously going to be the better fantasy goalie because when you make that kind of financial commitment to him, uh, $36 million, he's going to be your, your guy. He's going to be your number one. They're going to ride him into the ground. He's going to start, um, especially in a short season, he could start um, you know, 75% of the games. Uh, but we actually like David Riddick quite a bit as well. So it's going to be interesting um, if he falters. David Riddick's still a half-decent uh, spot. I think David Riddick is going to be one of the best uh, spot start options out there this season. Um, but I don't think his starts are going to be, they're going to be very few and far between. As for Holpe, uh, he's just, he's great. I think uh, he's playing on a good team. They are horribly defensively though. So that, that, that worries me a little bit. Um, unless they can tighten things up a little bit, which I think they will. Um, it's going to be hard for Holpe to kind of have a big bounce back because he's going to be facing um, a lot of high-quality scoring chances, just like Markstrom did a season ago uh, in Vancouver. The problem with Opie is he could be in a, in a dead 50-50 split with Thatcher Demko. Demko uh, played very well at the tail end of last season, looked great in the playoffs. Um, and I don't... Like, he's the goalie of the future there. I don't think that they're going to completely go away from him. It could be maybe a 55-45 split. Uh, for Holby, but Demko is going to get his playing time. I think both goalies are pretty serviceable uh, in leagues where you can carry three or four goalies. Um, so I really like Holby. I like Demko as well. Demko, I think, is a terrific dynasty or keeper league option. He's going to be uh, outstanding in uh, in a few seasons when he kind of gets that that full run. Uh, you know, sixty percent of the starts in Vancouver because that team's only going to keep getting better. We talked a little bit about Corey Crawford, who signed a two-year, $3.9 million deal to go to New Jersey, $3.9 million AAV, that is. Uh, right now, we have it roughly a 55-45 split with Mackenzie Blackwood. I think this is a really good deal uh, for Crawford. I think it's nice for New Jersey as well. They um, you know, weren't great defensively last year, but Crawford's used to that, I think. Uh, Chicago gave up the most scoring chances and high danger scoring chances against the season to go. So it's, he's, it's not, not going to be new for Corey Crawford. Uh, as for Mackenzie Blackwood, he's still extremely young in terms of, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to a starting goalie. So this is a kind of a perfect transition for him. He can learn from Corey Crawford a little bit and kind of be groomed for that spot. Similar to what uh, is going to happen with Thatcher Demko in Vancouver, Mackenzie Blackwood, another really good, uh, keeper option. Nobody seems to ever really talk about Mackenzie Blackwood that much, but he's an outstanding young goalie. His early returns have been great, uh, but I just don't think New Jersey's fully comfortable in in riding him as a full-time starter. So Crawford comes in for a couple seasons. As long as he can stay healthy, I think both goalies will be pretty solid. I think that this is uh, a little bit of a similar situation to Holpe, Demko, although I like Vancouver's outlook a little bit more than I like New Jersey's, but I think Crawford and, and Blackwood can both uh, return some pretty decent fantasy value. Uh, Cam Talbot, obviously he's on the move as well after the Calgary Flames signed Jakob Markstrom. Cam Talbot goes to Minnesota on a three times 3.67 million AAV uh, to probably be the primary goalie in Minnesota, Devin Dubnik now in San Jose, so that just leaves them with Talbot and Alex Stalock. However, they do also have uh, Capo Kakonen, uh, who's one of the more promising young goalies in the league. Um, but I think it's going to be Talbot and Stalock for this season. Stalock wasn't great last year. He had his he had his times where 
Uh, he played pretty well, but I think this is going to be Talbot's job uh, for the most part, probably closer to a 65-35 or 60-40 split in Talbot's favor. He was really good for them in the uh, for the Flames in the playoffs last year, uh, so hopefully he can kind of rediscover some of that game uh, and play pretty well for Minnesota. They were one of the best offensive teams in hockey a season ago, uh, giving up very, very few scoring chances and high danger scoring chances against. They've got a really good top four on the blue line. So I think Cam Talbot has some sneaky value here, especially if he starts 65% of the games. I think that he his win totals might not be through the roof. He might be closer to a 500 goalie this season, but I think he can post uh, really strong splits behind a solid Minnesota, a uh, structured Minnesota team. So I think Talbot has some low end number two value. I think that if you go heavy on Ford and D early in the draft um, and and pick up Talbot as your number two later, I think that you're going to be in an okay spot there just because Minnesota is so structured and so, so good defensively. And we've seen great years from Talbot in the past. I mean, he started 72 games one year. He was uh, one of the best fantasy goalies in the year in the league that season. So uh, I think Talbot has some sneaky upside, but I, again, just want to apologize um, for you guys having to listen to just me for 27 minutes. I know it's not ideal, but what are you supposed to do when Zoom deletes half your recording? So moving forward, we are going to figure out what happened there. And, uh, you know, this is the first time we've done this. So hopefully the technical difficulties are now behind us. I hope you guys enjoyed Season 6, Episode 3 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast brought to you by Oddshark. I'm Brock Segan. I'll say bye for Dylan and Beebs as well because they were here in the first half. And we will see you guys back here next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.